Hey guys, this is Jordan Halston with Nerd Talk with Jordan Halston. I'm your host. And today we are in another chapter of Harry Potter. We are tackling Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. With me, I've got Mike and Alicia coming back for part three. Whoop, whoop. What's up? All right. So I want to dive in with this question. Micah, you've, you've been kind of checking these things out each week. Um, what were your thoughts after seeing it for the first time? Yeah, so thanks for having us. And I watched this yesterday morning um, while I was at work. And yes, I watched stuff while I was at work because I need to have something in background. In the background, thanks, COVID. Um, because when we were all sitting at home working from home, like we had to have something going on. So it had to be a radio or a movie or a TV. Oh, yeah. Or something. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I always take my iPad to work and I always watch, I watch a lot of news just to see what's going on in the world. And so I've been watching these Harry Potter movies over the last couple of weeks to catch up. Um, and, you know, I watched The Prisoner of Azkaban yesterday and it was kind of strange, to be honest. Out of the three that I've watched so far, Mm-hmm. For the first like 20 to 30 minutes of it or so was super strange. And what I mean by strange is that like the way they like Dr. Strange. No, Dr. Strange was better than Harry Potter. Um, and I will say that as of right now, I will say that. Um, okay. Just because I just Bold feel like statement. The, well, I just feel like the story is of right now is just all over the place t- 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 for the movies that I've seen. Like we're starting to get some more of that glue towards the end of three into four. Um, but uh, I will say with Prisoner of Azkaban, like that first 20 or 30 minutes was just so frantic. It just seemed very, very like they were trying to film that movie. Granted, it was filmed in, in the early 2000s, but it really felt like it was filmed in the early 2000s, if that makes sense. So um, I, I will say that I love the, the stunt with the Dursleys at the beginning of the movie with, with the, the crazy lady. Is it his aunt or... or the one, Aunt Marge. The, yep, the one he, uh, that, he, <laughs> that, that he blew up like a balloon. That was the best, like, of those those scenes that I've seen. I mean, <clears throat> you know, in the fourth one, they're not in the fourth one because he's finally on his own. But, um, yeah, that was a great opening scene with them because it kind of felt like they finally got theirs to the to a degree, even though it really wasn't like directly his aunt and uncle, but it was you know marge <laughs> but does it make sense what i was saying as far as like oh the, yeah it just seemed like everything was super frantic and i guess that was trying i guess kind of the energy that they were trying to um portray in the beginning of the movie but it was mm-hmm. just it was just all over the place and then when they finally you know get into the plot of the movie it, it, fi- it finally settles down um and then you know you see more magic which is cool you see more um, you, st- I think you really start to see in Prisoner of Azkaban, you start to see them grow up and evolve as characters. I know they're evolving from like, you know, Sorcerer Stone all the way to, you know, Deathly Hollows Part Two. But like, you see the evolution of their characters, and I think for the first time in the story together, you really start to see them grow. Um, well, and this is the first time that a movie was not filmed back to back. So when you look at the Sorcerer Stone and then the Chamber of Secrets, that was two years consecutively that you got a movie and then another movie. And then they had 2003 off and then you had 2004. So like you're seeing a physical as well as mm-hmm. just all the, like the glue, like you're seeing a, a jump in their, their age. And then you're seeing a jump in their, their character development. Also, can I say that it's weird that like, so 
they're all right around the same age as Alicia and I are a little bit younger. So like going okay. and going back and watching these movies, it's super strange to see them so young. And I'm like, wow, I wonder what I looked like <laughs> when I was their age. And this is actually in real time. Like it was just super weird because like, and I think it was in 2017, they did the reboot of Beating the Beast and Emma Watson was in that and she played oh, Belle. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, she's a beautiful woman and she's she's older and more mature than what she was coming out of the Harry Potter franchise. Absolutely. Has she done other projects besides this? Harry Potter and Beating the Beast? I have not seen her in much of anything else. She, They've all kind of done some small things um, and a couple of big things here and there. I know like Daniel Radcliffe was in uh, Now You See Me Too as the villain. Um, Rupert Grant has, I mean, he was in an Ed Sheeran music video. Um, these guys have been in different things, but I don't know of anything that's been so like noticeable. Um, like, it, th- I don't think they'll ever be in something as big as Harry Potter again. Um, it's kind of like I think, it's kind of like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or things like that when well, you're kind I of made for life. Yeah, yeah, it's it's something that and that and in that time as it's happening, it's this fad that just shoots up. Like you look at Game of Thrones. Uh, what was his name? Um, Matt Smith. He was talking about House of the Dragon. He's like, we'll never hit Game of Thrones because there was just this skyrocket work playing off of that. And so it's just things you're never going to see again. It's like Star Wars. You're never going to see anything. There's There will never be near as much love for any of the other series, like the, the trilogies, as you will for the original. One of the things when you get these kinds of movies that were the, they start so young it's hard for them to get projects other than that because people are like, that's Harry Potter. That's Hermione Granger. That's Ron Weasley. Like they get so stuck in yeah. this because they start at such a young age. It's no different than in sitcoms. Like it's hard for, for actors and actresses to really kind of grow out of that because people only see them as one person. Well, I mean, look at Tim Allen for, for example, like you go in and you say, okay, you crushed it as uh, well, Tim, the tool man, Taylor. Like you go and look at his home improvement, but then they basically redid it with his uh, uh, last man standing. I forget what his first name was, but uh, Baxter, um, they, they just did this amazing piece, but it was a retelling. But then you see him in other roles where he's like the Santa Claus or he's in Christmas with the cranks. Like he's a well-versed actor, but he didn't start with uh, home improvement. He started with some stand-up comedy. He started, and then he built his way through that where these guys, this is where they started. This is their their big spot for them. And yeah, it makes it hard. So um, you were talking about how crazy the beginning is. So we're going to kind of hit event by event because I just thought this this book I really liked. Um, the movie was was OK, but the book I thought was way better than the movie, which we'll be saying a lot over the next few weeks, um, especially as it starts to you see the deviation. OK, so we saw. Well, which is funny because like I, Alicia and I were talking about this right before, like when we got home from work this afternoon. But yeah. like some people were super opinionated about this being the best movie, right? It's either it's, it's super controversial, right? Like it's either like the best movie of the Harry Potter franchise or it's the worst. Do you guys yeah. feel that way about that? I would I would agree to that. I think that there's a lot of people who it's there's very few people in the middle. Like for me personally, I think Chamber of Secrets is the worst movie. Um, that's that's just my opinion um, because I, I clump part one, part two as like one big movie um, with Deathly Hollows, And I would say like part one would probably be the worst if you had to like say a single movie. But um, I think I think Chamber of Secrets is the worst. But I sit in that very weird spot where I'm like Prisoner of Azkaban was a good movie. It was not my favorite, though. When they yeah. said that, what was the other one that they compared to, to being the better one? 
So is it Goblet of Fire or Order of the Phoenix? Oh, Goblet of Fire. Rave about the Goblet of Fire. I'm not a huge fan. Really? Oh man. Okay. So so getting into this on on uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, we we meet Marge. So Mikey, you talked about Marge a little bit. Truncheon Bowl. How you say Truncheon Bowl? Crunch Bowl from Matilda. Yeah. No way. That's her. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's Trunchbull. Oh, that's sweet. Okay, so talking about Aunt Marge, what were your thoughts, Alicia, coming into this character and meeting her and just the over-the-top performance that she brings? Because, you know, we, we meet characters, and, and Mikey, you haven't met this character yet, um, Professor Umbridge. Um, you meet these down-and-dirty people that you're just like, I hate you. Love to and hate you. Yeah, you you truly love to hate them. And I don't know if I can say that Marge was like this huge villain, but I think she set the stage for characters like Professor Umbridge to be able to see, oh, hey, is this one that we can love to hate? Hey, is this someone that is realistic enough? Like, what did you think about uh, Aunt Marge? Um, I mean, she's definitely annoying. Like, she got that, she got that part to a T. I think it's funny though, because like, I, I think you're right about kind of testing the waters. Like they were testing to see how far they could go with, with a character who you kind of love to hate. Um, I mean, at this point, the Dursleys, everybody just kind of despises them because of how they treat Harry, how they, they have this preconceived notions over what the wizard community is. And they're using that stereotype, if you will, to really kind of make Harry feel worthless and Marge yeah. doesn't even know to the extent of like she doesn't know that he's a wizard because they 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 are ashamed of that right, but honestly like she just she's just mean enough because even when she's holding the glass and she is gripping it to break it, even though Harry in a way is the one who's breaking the glass, she takes the crutch. She's like, oh no, I just have a strong grip. Like so she she's just annoying enough. But I think you're right. They were really just trying to see how far they could push it with her. Um, I mean, as a as a, a bad character, I don't even I wouldn't even classify her as a villain. But as a bad character, she was just annoying enough. Yeah, I I wouldn't say that she's like some villain that's going to take over the story. I just think that when when J.K. Rowling and Warner Brothers really focused on that character, I think they said, okay, we're going to try this new type of character because that's not a character that you see a whole lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they just sat down and said, let's test the waters. Let's see what, what do we like? What would we not like? Um, does this work? And I think it did. I think that well, that helps set the stage. And I think that there are, there are very few characters that I've read in books where I feel like they did such a good job translating to a movie. Like it's exactly how I pictured them. Aunt Marge is exactly how I pictured her in the books. Now, granted, I saw the movies before I ever read the books, but as I'm listening- As you're reading, you're like, oh, that's so her. Oh my gosh, that is like to a T. It's perfect the way they described her. Yeah. All right, Micah, you were talking a little bit about her. So full thoughts on Aunt Marge. I, I think the same, or I was thinking the same thing that Alicia said with, um, she's just annoying enough but I think that <laughs> Alicia's threshold's a little bit um, more so than mine because she got on my nerves from the start. Um, but and we're talking Aunt Marge, not Alicia. No, I got into no, this. <laughs> no. 
Jordan, why are you starting trying to search stuff up with my lady? Listen, it, it's how every true love story starts. Yes, with, a, fu- with a fight or a Harry with Potter fight. movie. With a fight. <laughs> um, yeah, Aunt Marge was annoying for from the top for me. And I think, you know, we we had seen some of Harry's uh you know, wizardry in the first two movies, but like he's starting to gain some traction with his powers and you could see him at the beginning of the movie sitting there practicing spells underneath his blanket. And like, you could see that he's really, like he's really taken the, he's really taken the time to like study stuff, even when he's not at Hogwarts. And so like, I think that, you know, he's, he's finally had enough with, with his aunt and his uncle. And like, he's, you know, he's tired of being there. He's tired of asking, you know, and being their slave and like, they, they just treat him horribly. And it's just, it's a horrible situation. Um, you know, and you know, not to get too deep into it, but like, you know, people like that don't deserve kids. <laughs> and they were fully, uh, you know, they were, they were entrusted with his, his life and they didn't care because they only wanted one child and they just, it, it's, it's just a hot mess. Right. Like first world yeah. problems. Right. So like for, uh, for him, like I remember even, you know, watching this film, like he all he asked was for his uncle to sign his permission slip. Like that's literally all he wanted. Right. And like he wouldn't do it because he's such a jerk. And so, you know, when they're, you know, you know, they're sitting around the table and, you know, she's kind of like egging Harry on. And Harry's like, you know, I'm gonna try this magic thing out while I'm at home. And she finally got hers. So and I love it when he finally leaves the house and he's walking down the street and you see her floating in the air, <laughs> screaming in the background. I love that. I absolutely love that. And that's that's one of my favorite parts is when you just see the the whole like he's he's had enough and he's like, I'm leaving and I'm not living here no more. And he walks out and like he <laughs> it's such a great resolution to that scene. You know, I, I hate the fact that at the end it doesn't mean that he gets to not go back anymore. Like it wasn't just this piece where it's like, Oh, Hey, here's redemption. You no longer have to go back to the Dursleys. Now I will say, and, and, and future uh, books, it does kind of explain why he has to go back. Um, there is a bigger part to the story, but yeah, it, it was like reading that for the first time. I was like, Oh, are you kidding me? Like you have to send him back home. And it was so sad. You it still was. for him. Oh, you do? Because you're like, what? What's next? Like, what's what's the big problem that he's gonna have to face? That he's still he's he's getting handicapped. To be honest, mm-hmm. like honestly, I would say that if he didn't live with the Dursleys and was raised by by the Potters, or even even grandparents on the Potter side or anything like that, I think that it would have been a much stronger. He would have been a much stronger character. Mm-hmm. And he got handicapped the whole way through. And I'm like man like i just my heart hurts because it's like you you have this character who's getting handicapped left and right has to deal with these jack wang of people like they're the worst of the worst so so he he escapes from there and he hops on the night bus the night bus all right let's talk about the night bus what did you think of the night bus and with the talking head the shrunken head and uh ernie watch out what you doing and all that like i just i thought that stuff was great i thought that the characters it was it was very unique because in the books they're actually in there beforehand mm-hmm. um like these these are characters who who were like wasn't wasn't uh stan in 
the Sorcerer Stone or Chamber of Secrets, something like that. Like they, there's a there's an well, early there's piece where he bumps early into introduction it. to them. I just can't remember which one. Yeah, but it, it, I mean, it's it's just kind of like thrown to the wayside. But I think she threw him in because they wrote him backwards. So mm-hmm. so what did you think of the night bus, Micah? Again, uh, I, you know, I thought it was a cool, you know, segue in to see how Harry was going to get back to to where he was supposed to be with his friends and and to see how the story continues. Um, but again, I think that the first twenty minutes, you know. The 30 minutes of that film was just so all over the place. And and I guess it was intentional, right? It was like just to make you feel like you were it almost felt like they filmed it in a way to show it almost felt like I was on the bus with Harry. I was at the Dursleys with Harry. I was, you know, you know, and I think that was on purpose. And I think that was, you know, we talked uh Jordan, you and I talked, I think a couple of weeks back when we did the, uh, you know, we were recording a couple of episodes and I think we did one on Deadpool and we talked about breaking the fourth wall and that was super popular in the late nineties, early two thousands. And part of that was the filmography and how they filmed movies and shows back then. And it made you feel like you were a part of something. Right. So like it almost felt like with this movie specifically prisoner of Azkaban, like they, they wanted to take you along that ride. So it almost felt like, you know, you went out for the uh, a night on the town, had too much to drink, and you're on this crazy bus, and you know, or like a, what's the the term, like a groom or a bride, like when they go out for the bachelor or bachelorette party, like a party bus or something like party that. Bus. It almost it almost felt like that to a degree. That was the magical equivalent of a party bus. Yes, was the night so, bus. You know, it was it was literally all over the place, and you know, so I I struggled like other than knowing you know what was going on at the beginning of the film. Like, where's this film going? What are they doing? So, like, and it has been so long since I've read the books. I'm like, man, I really hope I get what's going on. But yeah, what do you think, Alicia? I love that we're being introduced slowly into all these different pieces of the wizard world. And that's exactly what this is, right? It's very, it's very fantastical because I mean the 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 bus splits apart. Like that obviously is not gonna happen in a regular for a regular bus. Um, the voices of the little talking head. I love that. I just think it's really, really funny. Um, as we were, as I was rewatching the the third movie a couple of days ago, um, I feel like as I'm watching the movies, I'm remembering certain things about the books and I'm more fresh with the movies, obviously, because I'm rewatching them right now. I can't just re-listen to or reread one of those books in a week. Um, I mean, you could, but you'd get nothing else done. <laughs> Unless you're going to take the week off work or, you know, not sleep, either one. Um, so I'm, I'm also remembering certain things about characters. And, like, Stanley plays a, another role further down the line. And I can't remember if it's something that's just in the books. I'm pretty sure it's just in the books. I think it's just a book because yeah. he doesn't show back up in any of the, the movies. Right. But, it, I mean, the whole bus concept, it was really, I mean, for, for wayward wizards, I can't remember what they said, or for for wandering was i don't know i don't remember what the what the tagline was for them to for him to get on the night i think it's i think it's the wandering wizard yeah so i mean it just the whole concept is really cool but it's and i'm always i always appreciate how creative somebody can be to think of things like that like it's normal to think that if there were wizards or witches and they, there might be that their world is going to be a little bit different than ours for transportation. Like it's not, I mean, beyond just like the, they can travel with a broom, like having a different concept. Or yes, other than flu powder. Cause it, 
yeah, like there's public transportation, but it looks a little different than it would for us. Well, and you I know, I, I love the concept that, because in, in the second book, they talk about you have to go and buy flu powder. And so you have to go to, to all these like flourishing blots or you've got to go to different different places and go buy the magical items where you go here and it's like, this is a public transportation. It's a free piece. Like it would never, ta- I don't remember ever talking about them having to pay for all of that, um, which I thought was really cool. I like I liked that. Um, and then he goes and he hits, I forget what, what the, the hotel place is. But he goes, is it the, the, the cauldron, the black cauldron? Cauldron. I think it's the, the, oh, the leaky cauldron. cauldron. That's what it was. So he gets to the leaky cauldron and he spends some time there and you find out that the Weasleys went to Egypt, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. They go to Egypt and like that little bit of play into that. And then they were like, oh, and like they worshiped the rat and the cats and all these, like all these different things. And that was cool. And then they head to Hogwarts. So what were some of your favorite moments from just them being at school? Maybe it was a class. Um, Cause this was the first year that Lupin shows up. So what do you guys think of, let's start with Lupin. Like what, what were you guys thoughts of Lupin? I like Lupin as a character. Um, I love that there's the history of, I mean, we don't find this, find this out until later, but I mean, I think we find out during the context of this book slash movie, but he was really good friends with Harry's dad. And I think that, yeah, it's neat to start seeing that kind of looped in. I mean, up to this point, we hear a lot of people say, you know, you have your mother's eyes, but now he's actually getting described a little bit like his dad. Like you remind me so much of your dad, but you have your mother's eyes. Like, um, and I think that's good for him, for Harry as a character to, to learn those, learn that information because he's never really had that. He doesn't have memories, accurate memories yeah. of his parents. So to hear people talk about that, especially since the Dursleys don't do that, and they just avoid that topic altogether. So to have for him to have people that can talk about that with him, I think was was probably one of my one of my favorite parts, even with Sirius. But um, but with Lupin, I, I don't know. Like I I think we're also getting another piece of the magical world because he's an animagus i can't remember there's two different kinds we learned about him in the movie and i can't remember so he's not an animagus um he is actually just a straight werewolf yeah so he got in there's details in the book about he got bitten and all that kind of stuff and that's how he and that's when when james and sirius and peter all became animagus so that way they could become like that way they could all skip school together yeah and i'm like how how honest or like honestly like how how true is it that a bunch of high school junior high boys would all want to hang out together and when one of them is going through something to just rally behind and say hey you know what we can skip school together hey you're going to be running through the woods let's do it together together." yeah yeah but i as a character i really like him what do you think micah i was gonna say the same thing i I like how they start tying in some of that story together i like his you know, his demeanor and um, just a fresh perspective, you know, as they start to add characters as the, the story progresses. Um, I Something simple when, you know, we talked about this, I think when we did the Sorcerer's Stone episode, but like, I really enjoy when Harry gets to meet Ron and, and Hermione, like when they get back together after they've been apart, like it's just something as simple as like, hey, we're getting the band back together. 
hey Jordan and Alicia, we're going to record a podcast. We're going to get together and we're going to we're going to do yeah, we are like and we do it every week because we love to do this kind of thing and we love to talk about pop culture and movies and comics and and, and in this instance Harry Potter. But like I think it's so simple, but yet it's one of the coolest things when they're apart and then when get when they get back together, it's just so cool. And like when one of them's sick and in the hospital or unconscious, like they never leave one another's side, but like they're just, or if they do, it's because one of them gave the clue yeah. kind of like with the basilisk, like it's like, Hey, she already did the footwork for, for us. All we got to do is just finish it out. Well, we're seeing yeah. a parallel between Harry and his friends and James and his, all his friends, like they, to your point, Jordan, and to what Micah was saying, like, they did everything together, even if that meant like, okay, let's let's figure out how to skip class together. Let's figure out how to solve this mystery together, but we're going to do it together regardless. Exactly. I, uh, I, I loved Lupin as a character. I loved when they introduced him and he's like asleep and he's kind of like strung out, just kind of like a hangover kind of feel like he's just, he's exhausted himself because of the full moon. He's, he's trying to sleep it off. He's trying to rest from, from the werewolf change. And the next thing you know, a Dementor comes in and he does his thing. And it's like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. And just what are, what are, the, what are the odds that one of my dad's best friends is now my school teacher, let alone the guy who just saved my life? Which I just, I think that was done really, really well. I liked the character development because at this point it was Quirrell, and then Lockhart, and now Lupin, and Quirrell and Lockhart, neither of them really stood out for Defense Against the Dark Arts, and that's, I mean, ultimately where Harry, I mean, his true strength lies, is, I mean, he wants to go towards an aura later in, in, in the series, and um, that that path, and uh, just for, for Lupin to come in and say, I believe in you, let me help you, let me walk with you as, as you learn these spells, as you learn how to defend yourself against the dark arts, I just, I thought he was done very well. And he just, he was a very father figure in that film for Harry, which I don't think he'd even had at that point. Um, no, no one had stepped up and taken that kind of interest in him. And it's cool. Which is something because, that he needed. Exactly. Um, which is, which I think is cool because, you know, at the end, we're, we're going to talk about Sirius here in a second, but like, even with Sirius, he not only has one guy loving on him, but he's got two. And, you know, we had, we had a guy on our podcast who passed away recently, uh, Bama, and, and I remember sitting with Katie talking about, you know, what are, what are we going to do? And it was cool because we said, you know, we're going to help in any way that we can. So Bama's son, like, there's been multiple times where he just climbs up onto my lap and he's like, hey, can I, or like, he wants me to read a book. I mean, he's three. He doesn't have like the, the best vocabulary, but he's like, he climbs up on my lap. He'll eat snacks. He'll want a book. And and I get to be a father figure for him. Um, and, and our friends, JT and Nate, get to be father figures for him. So he, he doesn't just have one guy pouring into him. He's got a village. And I think that with, with Harry, he's starting to get that village of guys, no matter how long they're in his life or, or how frequent. Because, like, Lupin has to resign um, at the end. But I think he did really well for the time frame. And it shows, like... I think this book with the defense against the dark arts shows the idea of having seasons in life mm-hmm. where, Oh, I have this person in my life for a season. Hey, I'm only going through this problem for a season. Hey, I've got this high for a season. I'm in the low for a season. Like, I think that that that's been one of the cool pieces so far. So we'll talk about serious black and then hit the dementors. But um, 
I mean, we're talking prisoner of Azkaban. And so let's go ahead and talk about him. What were your guys' thoughts? And let's start, Alicia, I'm going to have you start with this because you and I have read the book um, more fresh than what Micah has. Um, so book serious versus movie serious. What are your thoughts? To be honest, I don't, because it's been a while since I've read the book. Yeah. I don't, I have more of a fresh perspective on the, on the movie, the movies. Um, I love him as an actor. Um, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. Me, Gary Oldman. Yes. Thank you. Um, I feel like he's probably other than Jeff Goldblum. He's the one that I love the most. Like he did, he did cameos on friends with Joey and like, I really I like Gary that, yeah. he was in Batman. So anyway, um, so as a, as a actor, I really appreciate all of his work. Um, I think he did such a great job as Sirius because you really don't realize that Sirius didn't do anything that he was being charged for until the very last second. Like he did a very good job of like, you didn't know. Yeah. So, I mean, as a character, I just, I, I love him more as the series goes on. Um, I was going to say, I, I'm going to make the bold claim that Sirius Black may be my favorite character in the Harry Potter franchise, like out of all the side characters. Yeah. And honestly, like the side characters, him and Snape, honestly. And that's fair. I just, I don't, I don't know, like you're the whole father figure part and the, the fact that we learn that it's, it's really his godfather. Um, yeah. And it's just so heartbreaking at the end where you realize that Harry's oh. not going to just be able to go and live with Sirius. And there's like that little bit of hope that it's going to happen. And then it just gets bursted like a really big bubble and it makes you angry. <laughs> or the gleam that by through, through Goblet of Fire that, Hey, I may get to see you soon. And then it's a order of the Phoenix. Hey, I may get to see you soon. And like, yeah. they, they, they string you along for that relationship. Yeah. And I'm just like, I love Sirius Black. Yeah. From, and I mean, like he comes from the black family who were, most of them were Voldemort supporters. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, he's the black sheep of the black family. And, right. and like, even his, uh, even his house elf later in, later in the story, like despises him because of what he did. And I'm like, this guy was a hero. Right. Like he's the unsung hero. He's he's never gonna get written down in history books. He's yeah. never gonna get a claim to his name. I'm like, dude did like so much good stuff, and yeah. he he fought for. Oh my gosh! And I have to say this because I I don't and I don't remember if this happens in the book. I'm sure there's some version yeah. of it in the book, but at the very end when they're in um when Snape comes in after they're I mean they're getting ready to reveal that um that Wormtail is actually alive. Sirius is something to Snape. And I wrote it down because I was just, I, it, it's so profound knowing what happens toward the end. But Sirius says to, to Snape, once again, you've put your keen and penetrating mind to the task. And as usual, come to the wrong conclusion. And knowing what happens and knowing how much that affects Snape because Snape's always getting blamed for stuff like they always think it's Snape I was just like (laughs) yeah it's such a great line such a great line well and and I think that 
this series is often referred to as this children's series. And I'm like, it, okay, so I've, I've been watching this uh, this series, and I, I love, I love, and it's on Disney where they go in and they talk about how uh, Disney created and the Disney parks and, and all that system. And I love because they talk about the Haunted Mansion and, and there's this line, they're like, how did you create this line? And I'm like, for, for her as a writer to sit down and write that kind of thing, it's like, you had to really know these creations. Like you had to know your character. You had to really grasp on and, and say, is this something that Snape would say? Is this something that Sirius would say? Is this something that makes sense between the two who are butting heads in future stories? Is this going to make sense? Is this... And how is the layering and all that? And I just, I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, that's a great line. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk to mentors now because Dementors played a big piece. They were the, the peacekeeping force. I'm going to, I'm going to loosely put that in quotations. Um, they, they were the, the, the jail guards at, at Azkaban, um, what did you guys think of the Dementors from their look to um, their presence, the way that they're described, the way that they are shown on screen? What did you guys think of, of the Dementors? And, and let's start with Micah. So I don't get to comment on Sirius Black. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, Sirius Black. Please edit that. <laughs> no, I'm not going to edit it. It's great. <laughs> I, just I got to, so excited. All I, all I had to, all I really was going to say was two things. One, uh, you know, like when Alicia was, you know, comparing and knowing, you know, f you know, finding out that mind blowing moment, right. Makes me think of uh, season seven of Clone Wars when Ahsoka knows it just like that revelation moment, like it just happened. Mm. But then Gary Oldman, come on, like Commissioner Gordon, mm -hmm. the Dark Knight trilogy. And just to go back and again, oh, yeah, you know, we're ta we talked about the kids you know, being Alicia, you know, and, and, and my age, you know, being a little bit younger than we are just by a few years and to think about how young we were, look how young he was. And that was before the, like, it was right around or right before the Dark Knight trilogy happened. And he, he's, he just looks, man, he just looks so good in this movie. I mean, he's younger and I just thought he did a great job. Like he just does a great job in anything he acts in. That's very, very true. Absolutely. But, but anyway, since I've ranted about Gary Oldman and Sirius Black, Alicia, what do you think about the guards in Azkaban? <laughs> I mean, I think that the Dementors translated to screen were what I was what I was imagining in my head. I mean, because it's it's essentially like they're described as being like dark clouds because they suck the joy out of everything, right? Like yeah. it's, it's a it's instead of it being a white ghost, a traditional ghosts that you would think for movies or books or whatever it's a black version of it and it's more like it almost feels like you can see through them like they're very transparent but again they're around just simply suck the joy out of everything but i think they did a good job translating it and um and you have to think too that like that stuff is cgi so i'm always amazed when actors can really show it looks like everything's happening at the same time and it's not something that's just done later. Yes. So I'm going to show you really quick. Um, I have the illustrated editions and I love the, the take that they did with Azkaban and the Dementors flying around. Oh, wow. 
And I'm just, I'm blown away by this because for those of you guys who, who clearly are not seeing this because we don't do a video portion, they're just like this Grim Reaper, like light cloth over like Grim that Reaper. cloudy kind of figure. And I just sit back. I'm like, she created this and took inspiration from things and started to build on these things. I'm just like, holy mackerel. Well, I just, I, I'm blown away. Um, what was this? What, what year was this? 2004, 2003? 2004 is when the movie dropped. So I was just thinking like, you know, we talk a lot about like, what if certain movies were made during certain time frames? Like, and we just, Jordan, you and I did an episode uh, when Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness came out, but like talking about CGI and talking about how you know things are depicted, like especially when when Wanda, you know, the Book of the Damned and all that stuff, like how they were able to CGI those demons and things like that. That was really really cool. So like, imagine if they would have filmed this movie in 2021 or 2022, how much different that oh, would yeah. have been. I mean, that would oh, have been so it, cool. Absolutely. Not that it I wasn't just, cool I'm for 2000. You know, early 2000s, but like, imagine if it was that way now. Yeah, it just, yeah, I I think, but here's the thing. I don't ever want this series to be remade. Oh, I don't either. I don't want that. Like, I don't want this to be one of those that they go in and try and do anything and try and enhance it in any, like, I just want it to be just left alone. Well, um, there are certain, there are certain movies and certain franchises, Jordan, that like were brilliantly done for the time frame that they were done in. Right. So like, yes. and like, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, um, Star Wars, the original Star Wars. Um, yeah, there are just so many like iconic films. Like they struck iron while the iron was hot, so to speak. And you know, you're never going to duplicate or replicate that. And they really don't need to to redo them. Like, like Lord of the Rings for crying out loud. I'm sorry, Alicia, but like they were beautiful. They filmed them in New Zealand and other parts of the world where it was just beautiful. Well, I scenery. think they still are beautiful films. Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's not one of those that like it lost touch. It's it's like, I mean, we keep coming back towards Jurassic Park with, with some of the CGI stuff that came like see that that movie's what 30, 30 years old now? 30 something years old? Almost 30. Be Almost 30. 30. And I'm like, it's still as good today. Mm-hmm. as it was when it first came out and like katie and i we recently redid our bedroom set up for uh for our movies and tv watching we put a projector in and i put some really nice surround sound in there and uh i mean this thing is gorgeous and i'm like i just can't wait to put jurassic park on there i can't wait to put harry potter on there i can't wait to put like the avengers i like the, the movies that i saw in, in theaters or they're at the drive-in when they would show old like rerun stuff and they'd bring stuff back and i'm like i can't wait because like these are the movies that I love to just sit there and just be like, oh my gosh! And the Harry Potter series, um, as we're now in October, I'm definitely like I'm going to be making my run here real soon, and I'm just going to like every night of the week, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and uh, that that last day, it'll be I'll have to I have to figure out when um, I'll be able to do it. But I'm like I'll probably watch part one, part two, um, same day if I do it in a whole week, or I might do it in eight days. I don't know. But I just I love Harry Potter. I think this this series is awesome. Um, I love the characters and um, I love and and this is I'm we're starting towards the wrap up portion of this um, and whatnot. But I loved how Hagrid really had a lot of a lot of growth as a character in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, he became a teacher, and then like you saw this big emotional side with Buckbeak. Oh my gosh, like we haven't even talked about the magical creatures in this movie. Um, what what did you guys think of Buckbeak? 
I love, I, again, I love just the creative, the creativity of the author um, and how that was translated over. We were talking about, um, Mike could remember what it was, that it was called a hippogriff. And he was like the eagle, I can't remember. He, he described like the eagle <laughs> I don't know, like, because as, as a person who, like, it is it is a made-up creature, you're using your frame of reference reference to describe it. So, like, it kind of looks like an eagle because of the wings and the, the way that the head is shaped, but it has four legs, kind of like a horse. I don't know how you would describe that, but so he was trying to, just, I can't even remember what other animals he was throwing in there to describe it. I was like, the hippogriff? <laughs> Or like yeah, a unicorn awesome. or a horse. Unicorn, yeah, or, that was one yeah. of unicorn. Um, but I, I mean, Buck, because a character, what's just funny, because I mean, it is a character, even though it's an animal, um, oh, doesn't yeah. have any lines, but. Um, I don't know. Every time he opened his mouth, I feel like there was a line. <laughs> it's like, I am Groot. It's like, it, it just yes, translated exactly. Into exactly like yes. I am Groot. Um, but I mean, I, I love, I love all the different creatures and we'll start seeing more of them too, as we get further in, but just the creativity of, I would never think to have a creature that looked like that, but it makes sense. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that for this series, it, it spawned out what I think is one of the most beautifully aesthetic pieces to Harry Potter mm. is the natural life. Yeah. Cause I think, I think you can only do so much with a spell. You can only do so much with, with a human but like when you go in and you start adding in different special effects and you're like okay we're gonna add a creature like we get into the sequel i'm gonna put sequel series because it's just a, a other piece um like you have uh uh the nifflers from fantastic beast and where to find them and mm-hmm. then you get like the little sprout pocket watch thing like i just mm-hmm. i think those characters are awesome mm-hmm. and they're characters in and of themselves and it's just really cool how it all works out yeah, even if so. they don't have vocal lines, they're still very expressive in their mannerisms and how they're, how they, I like, Buckbeak to me was, you could tell that Buckbeak was young, just because it was, I mean, Buckbeak just, when he got tempted away with food, he was like, all right, cool food, let's go. It was like, a, he was a teenage boy. Like it's, They also exactly. just hurt him with food that also to help with that situation, yeah. which helped in the long run as well with Hermione, right. like kind of luring him out of the, the situation, which was cool. Right. So, I mean, he had a personality, even if he didn't have vocal lines yeah. absolutely michael what did you think of buckbeak i wanted one <laughs> <laughs> that's my opinion i want one <laughs> no i thought it was cool because it's like you know in some franchises movies uh stories books whatever you want to you know whatever kind of illustration you want to use there i think um there's pretty traditional you know animals that are used whether it's a horse or uh, a dog or you know other just kind of lame animals oh, yeah and i think with this it, it was a hybrid and it was it was super helpful um i thought it was is interesting to see how they again with cgi and 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 having harry and hermione like fly on it and it, it was kind of weird but like that's just that's just me but um i don't know uh, Jordan, what did you think of it? Like, I thought it was cool that like it was a different character and a different take on the character. I don't think he died. I think he froze. Well, good. I'm glad he froze as an option. I'm taking a screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry, uh, I froze. Oh, you did. <laughs> I did you hear what I what said was, at all? Did, I can edit no. this, but did you hear what I said? No. <laughs> I, I took a screenshot and I was like, I don't think he's dead, but I think he froze. <laughs> I did. And I'm putting the screenshot in the chat. Wonderful. So Jordan, what did you think of this creature? Uh, you know, for for me, I think that Buckbeak was just like like Alicia was saying, very juvenile. Um, and you could feel that character. Like it, it wasn't we, we talk about how characters are not always the ones that are speaking, but that are there through their actions, there through the motions and all that. Like I mean, look at, uh, I mean, she spoke and she's a human, but look at like the, the Eternals, um, the one that runs really, really fast. Like she can't speak the same way. Well, when you bring in an animal and you bring humanistic qualities to these animals, they start to teach you things. And so you learn through their communication skills and you learn through all these different pieces. And I loved how they handled Buckbeak. And I think Buckbeak was just this beautiful creature that I wish we would have had more of, um, I wish we would have seen this character more because we hear about uh, him a little bit more, especially when the end of book five happens. I wish we would have gotten closure for Buckbeak mm -hmm. um, and we would have known kind of what happens. And, and we'll be talking about that probably a little bit more when that episode happens. But, um, you know, I thought this character was great. Um, I loved that. I love when they bring in these kinds of characters that we can learn from them. We can see and it makes me more excited to know these characters and makes me excited to be like, Oh yes. Like I love Buck Beaker. Like mm -hmm. when we get to uh, fantastic beasts and talk about those movies, like the Niffler keeps showing up and then it has babies and it's like, yeah, the baby Nifflers. Like I just, that kind of stuff is just so cool. And, and you love to see the character progression because you fall in love with even the side characters. Um, and you want to see their sidekicks and you want to see all these different pieces. And so, um, but no, I just, I think that this book was, or this book and movie, the story was, was done really, really well. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it definitely is a, a great installment into the series and then to the franchise. Mm -hmm. um, any other last minute things before we wrap up? I have two things that I just have to say that I love. Yeah, absolutely. As we go through, we get introduced to new characters, but we're also getting introduced to like just different pieces. So like Emma Thompson's character um, with the, she's the, Gosh, I should have had this pulled up before. Her character's name, um, Emma Thompson. Oh gosh. Anyway, her character in this movie, where we're seeing like the the for almost the fortune telling element of oh Trelawney, Professor yeah. Professor Trelawney. I love it. I love Emma Thompson as a as a as an actress, but that character I think was really well done. Um, we'll see more as we kind of go down to the next couple of episodes, we'll see a little bit more of her character. Was she um, with the weird glasses? Yeah. Kind of remind yeah. me of Maz in The Force Awakens. <laughs> no way. Emma I Thompson mean, was, was Trelawney? Yeah. Okay, let, let, me, let me say it this been? way. Listen, we got time out. Time out. <laughs> time out, time out. This is, what, this is the thing about Harry Potter. I watched those as kids or as a kid and I never realized who I didn't realize it was Gary Oldman like was the same guy like because I watched them when they were like very young like yeah. very and and so like as an adult like going back and watching these I'm like I hear a voice and I'm like oh hey is that Robin Williams hey is that Gary Oldman hey is that and when you said yeah. that I'm like 
she was dressed up so well that I would have never even like each of these characters were done so differently than what they themselves look like. I mean, Gary Oldman is very slummy, like prisoner look right. versus his his like suit and tie, his his GCPD kind of thing from yeah. Batman. Like you're seeing yin and yang, you're seeing two totally different pieces. So yeah. when you said that, I'm like, no freaking way. I, I did not even realize that's amazing. Oh my gosh. I sure know that I've blown your mind on that one. Um, just two more things that I wanted to mention. I love the time necklace. I don't know exactly what the technical name of it is. Oh, the time turner. The time turner. Just, I, I think it was, it was a very, it was a small piece of comedic relief when Harry and Ron were sitting in a class and all of a sudden Hermione shows up and they're like, has she been here the whole time? Cause they do it all the way through. And then at the end, when they're making the joke about honestly, Ron, not you can't be in two places at once and so it's this little joke kind of between harry and hermione because ron's all laid up in the in the bed and he can't go anywhere um, and he's kind of probably got some some medicine or some drugs in his system or, or magical stuff they probably could get away with that right right and then the second one's the marauders map and we'll see that kind of more yes as we, but I, I love that and i love that we see i mean we see how the how the twins have been dealing have been using it to their advantage the last couple of years and they're passing that on to harry but then to know that it was his dad and his dad's friends that actually created it was really cool yes because i solemnly swear that i'm up to no good oh i love that yeah yeah so i mean there, there's so much more that we can continue to talk about and you know the the beauty of these is that we don't have to just end the conversation here we can always pick back up and we can say, hey, we didn't talk about this in the last podcast or, hey, we, we wanted to hit this and this and this. Um, and we can always come back to these episodes because that's the beauty of Harry Potter. There's so much that is a part of this and I love it. So, um, but guys, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. We're going to be uh, just closing out here. And the last remark that I have is I think it's really cool that this is the one book that does not have anything really to do with showing Voldemort. Like it's, he's referenced, but he's never shown. And it's the one time. And I feel like it's the most out of everything. It is the most light that Harry sees in his entire journey from start to finish with books one through seven. Um, and I think that it doesn't get enough credit with that because I think the one time Voldemort's not truly around is when we see the most character development for him. So well, Micah, Alicia, thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Thanks to all of our listeners who are out there, and we will catch you guys next time here on Air Talk.